0: stop being lazy let's do this hello everyone welcome we're here episode 11 of branching factor we've made it into the double digits we're still surviving we've made a completely different setup this might work this might not we're gonna find out tonight it's a friday night here and branching factor it might be friday night when you're listening it probably won't be but anyway we're all here having a good time i'm your host tommy thompson let's quickly spin it around which is not going to make sense if you're listening to us but hey first up Quang,
1: Quang is here. How are you doing, buddy? Hello, I'm doing not too bad. I'm uh, just surviving, getting through it the best I can.
2: Friday night, we <laughs> just got to survive it. George, how are you surviving your Friday? Look, it may not be Friday night for our listeners, but it's always Friday night in my soul, Tommy. It's always Friday night, whatever George is. I think that's Absolutely. A bit, that's, that's yeah. the thing to take away
0: it's from this. Friday um, night somewhere. <laughs> and of course, we actually have our special guest It isn't Friday night uh, where he is. Say a big hello to Matt Gamble. Hello. <laughs> it is Friday. Just turned afternoon, I guess. I'm, I I'm glad that you just pointed that out and it wasn't like it's Tuesday. It's like, where is he? <laughs> How is he getting in touch with us? What's going on? This is absolutely insane. Um. Oh, so yeah, quick primer for anyone who doesn't know who Matt is, because at this point you should pretty much know who I am and who Quang is and who George is, because that means you've been listening to us ever since episode one. And if you haven't, please go back because we'd really appreciate you doing that. Matt is a game programmer who uh, is currently based out in Vancouver. I don't know why the, there's an extra R in there, but Vancouver, out in Canada, currently working at Sunderlist Games, and is also known, courtesy, as you can see from the placard in the background, as the founder of the YouTube series Game Dev Guide, and uh, is a, one, of our, one of our indie game developers from the UK who managed to escape. The rest of us yeah. are still here, but you got out.
3: What was I, the legitimately, I legitimately, I <laughs> legitimately escaped. That is like actually true. <laughs> like it The thing happened that shall not be named, and I tried to escape. And I got Canada were like, yep, you can come here for two years. And then COVID happened. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go home. So um my buddy Nels Anderson, who runs Sonderlouse Studios, um hired hired me. I was like, hey you cuz so we spoke when we first when I first came here and it was like do you want to do you want to come work for me I was like maybe and then I was like hey if I come work for you can I can you help me stay and so that is what happened and I've I've been here since 2019 um and and now I'm a permanent resident of Canada so I do not legally I can legally stay here <laughs> you're not coming back <laughs> i don't I, I don't i don't have to come back if i don't want to that's yeah that's the and you know, <laughs>
0: well, over here on Hell Island, um, <laughs> it's it's been very windy and wet this week. Um, yeah, right. Actually, guys, how are you? How have you been faring with this? Because uh, fortunately, I, I bought a house on a hill.
2: Yeah,
0: which, Is it haunted?
2: Not yet. Um, <laughs> um, which maybe it would have been apt because it's also Halloween this week. Obviously, right? That's uh, no. Haunted so so what? my failures well uh, as we as we all are tommy but um no in terms of this <laughs> week uh i mostly made sure that my bosuns were prepared uh so we really battened down those hatches and uh Yes, we, we should be arriving in, 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 in port shortly. That's said, no, I'm not actually on a boat. I just live in a one-bed flat in North London, and it's not that interesting. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I also know someone who was playing Return of the Oberdin recently, and so therefore they've just been bringing up everything in regards to that game. So I really wanted to get the word bosun in on this record. So <laughs> Nailed <laughs> it. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, it was
1: seamless. So for me, uh, my old house, which I sold, uh, used to have a leak in the roof. And so every time it rained, uh, I had to get the buckets out and, and empty them, and, and it was a whole ordeal. Uh, it was such a, an ordeal that, it, you know, I think it scarred me a little bit because now I'm, I'm in this lovely two-bed flat, flat in Peckham, and it's fine. There's no leaks anywhere. But every time it rains, I have nightmares about emptying these buckets oh, yeah, of water. Yeah. And, and it still gets me to this day. I, saw,
0: I actually got a flood warning on my phone last week Um, Which I was really confused by, because when we moved into this place, I quickly checked to make sure, one, there's no rivers nearby, two, we live on a hill, so it's going to be really difficult for us to be flooded. I'm still on the register for when I used to live in Derby in the Midlands, and I remember when I moved there, they said, oh, that river up the road, there is a flood risk with it. And I was like, oh well, you know, it's fine. I live. It was like I lived on the first floor of this apartment building. I didn't think it was a yeah. big deal or whatever. Yeah, I got the I got the call like last weekend, like get out of the house. Your area is about to be flooded. And then I saw it on TikTok and everything else that like downtown Derby was was pretty much under water.
2: Yeah, and you saw so sort of lean that- out of your window in North Hertfordshire, going, hang on a second this doesn't look this isn't looking like your phone call is telling me it's gonna look it, just, it looks very unfloody at the moment it, and then the internet was different
0: yeah uh, there, there was a half second there was a half second i looked at my phone and i'm like huh what like yeah the weather's bad but it's not like that bad yeah. and then you know it was all right and then i saw the address and I'm like, oh "All right, that was like three houses ago okay fair enough yes. i'm good i'm good i'm good meanwhile fair enough messaging my my partner and i'm like how are you doing they went up to visit family in northern scotland and they're like oh it's raining sideways i'm like cool, cool. good cool. luck with the flight home um, <laughs> yeah. oh dear but anyway yes if you're not familiar branching factor isn't a podcast about weather it's a podcast about demystith- demystifying all things related to games, whether you're into game development, whether you work in the games industry, whether it's coming to games research. We're just trying to help demystify all this very much in the same way that everything else that you know I've done over the years uh, on AI and games on YouTube, like Quang does with an awful lot of his touring, showing his games off, but also doing talks. And George just generally being the conduit between the games industry and the rest of British society, I think, at this point.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm, I'm doing at the moment, Tommy. And at the moment, video games are up. Pleased to say they're up. Uh, they might be down at any point. So, you know, ride those stocks while they're still high.
0: Uh, well, speaking of stocks riding high, I mean, one of the reasons we actually reached out to Matt to, to come and have a chat with us, because we were chatting right in the middle of the Unity debacle that sort of kicked off. I mean, it's cooled down now, right? But that was like yeah. a fun couple of months. Um, so... yeah. I was going to say to bring everyone up to speed if you're not familiar with what happened so the unity game engine which i think i was going to say george might be the exception is the only one who hasn't programmed anything in it no no i played games with
1: unity i dabbled with it i dabbled with it for a short amount of time but realized back in Unity Unity, unity 3 i think it was i realized it was terrible for 2d games so i pushed it aside it has improved a little bit in that
0: regard. But yeah, yeah so a bit. Unity changed, was back in August, I believe it was, went about starting trying to change their licensing structure on a per install basis, which has done an absolutely well, as you can imagine, that was received incredibly well because yeah. they wanted to turn it into a revenue thing where every time someone installed your game, you gave them money. More there, were,
3: there, were a couple of, there were a couple of issues with what they announced. I think. Um, I have I have strong feelings that I've I've spoken about on my on my channel and and publicly, so I'm, I'm not going to double down too much on this. But um, they announced that uh, any game that had ever been made with Unity in Time Memorium now uh, had to pay a fee anytime anybody installed whatever that meant um, the game and uh above a certain like above a certain threshold but like yeah. let's yeah. say you've been let's say you made a game like five years ago and it's still making good money um but unity had just decided that now you owe them money every time somebody installed not played just like installed whatever that meant uh your game so um that there were so many things about the way in which the announcement like it wasn't necessarily the announcement itself it was a lot of the wording of the announcement and the way in which they chose to do this thing that um caused so much of a backlash because so much a lot of it was very vague and ultimately relied on um unity being the source of truth and uh that doesn't bode well with a lot of people if you're trying to run a business so um they got a lot of pushback for the way in which they announced it um like I don't think anybody specifically was arguing about the fact that unity were changing this, like that had its own problem. Right. And that creates its own questions, but um, it was, it was more, it wasn't, it was like, it's not what you said. It's the way you said it sort of thing. That was the problem there and caused so, so many problems um, and the underhanded nature of what they were doing. Um, and now the, yeah, that the kind of caused, caused the, the backlash.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was so much of it as well that you know they're trying to double dip because this is already a, an yeah. engine that you have to pay for a monthly license yeah. for. They've abolished the mid-tier license as well now, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah,
3: um, so you know, is as part pro? of the announcement, as part of the announcement, they removed some of the limitations and they'd moved some things around. Which, like, there were some good things about what they were trying to do, and and we ultimately you could see what they were going for but it was kind of like they were going for a a rev share with like a bunch of extra steps and just it just was making the whole thing so much more complicated like it was just more complicated than it needed to be and i i still feel that way about where they've landed um but ultimately where they've landed now is much much better and that's come from a lot of conversations that me and a few other develop like creators have had as well as other developers etc etc but like this whole initial announcement shook the independent in- industry, and Unity really sort of had to do something because, yeah, it was a shit show. Yeah.
1: I think, um, as you're saying, it was the wording of it. Uh, there was a, not much clarity in what they were saying. It felt like everybody was have to pay out of nowhere, and it did cause a lot of panic through the, the industry because no one, it, no one really understood what they were saying. It just felt like if people install our game, that means we have to pay, and then it was. Yeah, I think the, ne- the next day, then they, p- they try to clarify it on Twitter. So yeah. that's not the best place to, to do it. Right, absolutely. Because if you're going to make
2: what is a pretty substantial change to your business model, now, if, if companies tend to do that, it, the, the, the general process, especially when you've hit any form of scale, is pretty much as follows. First of all, you work out exactly what you're saying, and you work out exactly what you're going for from a policy perspective. Then you go and consult you go and talk to your audience, you go and talk to whether it's consumer-based, whether it's user-based, you have that process where you have that conversation because you might change your policy, you might change your communications before you go out and announce it. And then what you do is you give a period of time and a decent period of time for a change to be implemented because people need to be able to adapt to it. Now, the problem for the whole Unity announcement, I think was, was I, I think a few things exactly as alluded to. First of all, it wasn't clear how it worked. You know, there were really simple questions like, what happens if you if you take part in a humble bundle and you hand over thousands of keys and they get used? Do you get charged for those? Are you, is there a charity tax now? And it was clear they didn't have an answer to that then in terms of the lack of consultation they clearly hadn't spoken to anyone outside of my guess is essentially and and actually my guess it's borne out a little bit by some reporting from um, the editor of mobile game it was essentially the c-suite having a chat with with a powerpoint deck and it very much feels to me as if someone put up a slide that said we estimate there are this many installs on unity therefore if we got even just as tiny, even if we got 20 cents an install, look at how much money we would get, which would help us out of the situation that a lot of tech businesses and a lot of games businesses are in now where money is no longer free to lend. And if your company has been running at a loss and running at a negative valuation, you're suddenly in trouble because you can't just go in and get an investor to go and prop you up as easily as you used to be. Um, And then just in terms of the rollout, it was a complete disaster. They hadn't briefed their team properly about it. They didn't brief the industry properly about it. They had people exactly as Quang was saying going on to twitter and both supporting the company line but then also trying to undermine people who were complaining about the fact that this had been handled really badly uh, in a way that i would say don't ever do that um and i mean to get to the point where essentially they had executives especially from leading mobile games businesses directly telling staff to f off to their faces you had 15 percent of unity's advertisers stepping away in the immediate aftermath of it and then you know the ultimate outcome of it is that its president went from being in a seemingly unassailable position to uh, magically deciding that it was time for him to resign and retire Uh, so they went from here is a policy that's going to make us a bit of money, to we've lost our president, we've had to change the policy, and everyone's very sad and annoyed with us, uh, which I would call is ba- a bad couple of weeks in the office. <laughs> and yeah, it was, I think what their stock is still
0: down about $20 um, yeah. from when that announcement was made. Their, their stock is currently, I think, a dollar higher than it was at the start of the year. Yeah, And, this, and is, this is also kind of indicative of Unity's ongoing problem, as it's a company that's never really turned a profit. Uh, and and it's never been sustainable and so they keep trying to find things to try and prop themselves up and so i was getting ready actually i've been writing a separate thing about this because funnily enough earlier this year it was ai they were doubling down on generative ai was going to be a big thing and then that has kind of came and went unsurprisingly because the games industry is not in a position right now where generative ai technologies are considered largely compatible with ongoing development processes i've talked about this elsewhere but yeah, like this, and then it's, all right, now we'll just try and fleece our existing customers. And what the whole thing, the thing that freaked me out was when they talked about, oh, we're going to count installs. Like, how are you counting that? Where's yeah. that data Ooh. coming from? Are you yeah. tracking every single device that people install their games on and you're having it? We, we know already the Unity splash screen's doing something and sending data back periodically, but are you now having that mandated for every game? Yeah. Um, and then also they were like, oh, we're going to track installs. so for like getting revenue from if your games on game pass will we'll reach out to get microsoft but like mm. i don't see that working because one i don't see microsoft going sure let's us go and count and give you this proprietary information but also like you know if that turns into a tax that then becomes a thing on game pass that's going to have a, an impact down the line on on actual developers getting game pass deals it's like none of it they hadn't thought out any of it in the long term really
1: so the two things I want to raise about that is they they brought in the, the thresholds, which seemed fine for most people, but if you're a small developer, um, I think you were hit the hardest with it being 20 cents an install. But if you were over like a million installs or whatever it was, it was uh, a fraction of a cent. And that just hurt every single indie developer that was out there, which is unreal. And then if we're doing about shares and stuff, uh, didn't John uh, Ricardello, um he sold a bunch of shares before it all it's, came it's,
3: out it's kind of a red herring and it's that's unrelated to the yeah. situation um okay. that was that was a misnomer that went around essentially sure. um the c suite just have scheduled like it was more a case of bad timing than anything else oh. but yeah yeah like i it, from from my understanding of the situation his share selling thing is just like something that had been scheduled and just happened to be the same week that they announced this change. And it just kind of got lumped into that, which, I mean, not fair, fair. (laughs) but but, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
2: which which again, exactly. It's one of those things where a a poorly planned communication, because if if the comms team had been listened to and or been given any opportunity to speak about this, they would have gone... (laughs) going to announce quite a controversial policy just after you've had one of these scheduled sell-offs it's probably not going to look very good and they went yolo let's go ahead Uh, but i think the two things i think especially that i found sort of not necessarily amusing but i thought was was particularly pertinent around this so first of all i mean mentioning indie developers getting hit the other market segment that really got hit as well was was mobile game developers right because free to play right okay yeah massive massive volumes and they felt particularly that it was like a stand and deliver moment because it was here comes this fee Uh, but if you use our ads in your service the fee's going to go down and it's very much like I mean that does feel very much like someone's just sort of swung open the doors of my little wagon and uh, pointed a pistol at me uh, and said stand and deliver Uh, but then i think as well the game pass point i think it's just funny you know again in terms of how poorly fought through it was i mean if you look at businesses like Microsoft and you look at the way they plan their budgets and you see the amount of work and effort because you know they have to go they have to be declaring their results in certain legal ways quarter to quarter they have to plan around half years if not years if not multiple years the idea that Unity could just pop up you know go oh by the way we don't really know how we're going to handle this but Microsoft do you want to give us a load of cash in three months time Microsoft would go no no, just that's just not how this works. Politely, oh, no. Uh, yeah, and, and because there was one other thing about this as well, which I think um, we've kind of alluded to. It's around a bit of the market dominance in regards to Unity as as an yeah. engine. You know, it's, a, it's approximately about 30 percent of market specialty. share, uh, and so. The thing that managed to make it even worse for them was that people started bringing this up. And, you know, as a direct response in terms of this, I know that some of the European, I think it was the European Game Developer Federation, I think in the UK, Tiger, wrote to the competition regulators to say, well, hang on a minute, has has this party got too much dominant power within the market? And, you know, frankly, competition regulators are busy people um, and they have lots and lots of different things to look at, but they're also looking for easy wins. And they're looking for places where they could probably look at something and go, it would be quite popular if we did something here. And so to just put yourself on that radar at a time when you're already not making money, it's not bright, people. It's not bright. Yeah.
3: There's, so my my understanding, uh, so I'm just like, I have a, I'm part of the Unity Insiders program with a bunch of other creators. And so we we've had... I can only, I can only say a few. Like, I'm under NDA, right? Because there's obviously, of that's just yeah, part yeah, of doing like, that program. So but like, um, they the things we've we've spoken about seem that th- um, the, like there's some stuff we got ahead of time that we were allowed to give feedback to, and we we throughout, throughout that process we were we were giving feedback to to them, and they they listened a lot more after the debacle and <laughs> made some changes to the policy based on a lot of sessions that we had with them. Um, but a lot of my understanding from what I heard talking to some of the the team there at Unity um, is that the, a lot of this decision came down to try and capture, like, which I kind of get, right? Because, like, there there are a lot of people that aren't paying for subscription for Unity and making money off of it. And this is what this kind of change is trying to capture. Essentially not the game's audience, Um So there are a lot of, and there are also a lot of companies that are making a lot of money but are only paying for a small amount of subscriptions, right? So this was their, like, attempt to capture that.
0: If you're a regular internet user, you're probably very conscious about your safety. Not least because you don't want people to know you've been binging all the content with my voice on it. Oh no, heaven forbid this is where having a really solid VPN or virtual private network can be a boost. Thanks to NordVPN you can then go about your business on the internet without worrying about you or your data being tracked. Me? I like to use it when I'm researching a new video and it results in me going to some of the dark and damp corners of the internet. (sighs) But you know it also comes in handy for all the other reasons you could use a VPN, like streaming region locked content or occasionally buying games from overseas storefronts, which is super handy in my line of work sometimes. Head to nordvpn.com forward slash Games to get a very special AI and Games infused discount on a NordVPN subscription, complete with a 30 day money back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com forward slash Games. The link and all the relevant details are also available in the episode notes too.
3: Basically, they were trying to capture a small portion that are making a large amount of money and it trickles down to have a negative effect on everybody else, right? Um, And so that's kind of how the version they're at now captures some of that stuff. But that's still the problem that they have as a company is that there are, even business to business, right? Like one of the examples that I was thinking about when, when I heard about this was like, there are companies that are, make like a simulation project or something right to i don't know operate a crane or something and now everybody they go to they're using that software um that they've built and making decent amount of money doing these training sims or whatever but they've 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 stopped kind of developing the game so they're not paying for a unity license anymore or or anything or something on those lines right and so it's like i
0: I worked on one of those i actually worked on a training simulation That was actually used by a air force for a particular nation, which I'm not thinking I'm allowed to actually declare which one. (laughs) Um, Actually, I think I am because they never actually got me to sign an NDA, but anyway, um, but it was for weather, Uh, weather equipment. And it was a VR training simulator for putting together weather equipment. We didn't, we, we did that in unity. I'm pretty sure we didn't. We had one paid license and a dev team of about six of us. And it was just that guy that made the
3: build. Yep. Had the license, and that yeah. was it. Yeah, and these companies, and so cool. I can understand. I can understand what they're like. Why this? Yeah. It's the same. There it's like, is. It's not yeah. what they said. It's how they said it, right? It's like you can understand why they, but it has so many trickle down yeah. like <laughs> problems with what they're doing that it's just like, like yeah. So the, f-
0: the fact that Unreal Engine, which is their competitor, let's fa- let's face it, has has already got this uh, revenue share yeah. model in there. It's been in there for years. They don't charge for yeah. the price of the engine. They charge you for revenue. And it is. It's, they're tackling those big fish. It's like, okay, you're yeah. making a lot of money. We're going to get that money out of you one way or, an, uh, one way or another. So you know, revenue share is the way to do it. And like, as much as I'm, I'm loath to defend or advocate for Epic Games, of all people, because they're also trash in many regards, like, their revenue share model is painfully simple.
3: Yes. Yeah. That was a big thing we point up is the simplicity of the revenue share model. Yeah. Um the interest Ari- and I brought this up I brought this up in my in my video, uh my sort of aftermath video that I I, I said was that like the challenge for Unity is that um they can't compete with Unreal, right? Because if, if Unity come out and say, We're also doing a five percent rev share over a million dollars, not that like Unity does a lot of things really well, and there are, there are, you know, I'm a big Unity advocate. So obviously, this should be taken from a, a experience standpoint. It's like there's a reason I use Unity every day, and I love it, right? Yeah. But once the business model changes, as a professional studio making a video game and trying to make a profit, and thinking about the pain points you have using that software, you, you start to do more comparisons, right? And so you look at either completely free options, you look at, put, um, th- other caveat asterisk here is this isn't like Adobe where you can't just like make Photoshop and you can't just make Premiere Pro or you can't just right like game engines the game engine ecosystem is interesting because it relies on programmers and programmers can just make their own engines and yeah. so there's this really the, the thing I find so fascinating about this is there's this really delicate balance that unity is stuck in where it's like their current business model works because it's a known quantity um. And people accept some of the jankiness, or some of the fact that like global illumination hasn't had a had an answer for like three or four years now. It's been deprecated (laughs) for a really long time. And Unity said they were working on it, and they just haven't because they've been focusing on AI. And you see what I'm saying? Like this is this is most of the AI
0: tools are useless. To day-to-day developers, I know, I know, I, could I know. Spend a, could. I
3: could spend a day pointing all this stuff. I talk about it on my channel regularly. I, so, I, so, <laughs> um,
0: I, I just, I was just talking. We were just talking about this before we started. I was over in France. I was doing my professional training um courses that I was teaching game developers and how to use machine learning in the games industry. And we actually did a demo of using the machine learning toolkit. I used an existing demo that Unity had already done. And I had to go and I went away and embellished on it and added more features and kind of walked the users through it. I also fixed it yeah. because they yeah. broke it. Like if you yeah. download it, this, this is actually one of the ones that's available right now. If you open up a new project in the Unity hub and you get it to download yeah. one of the sample games, the sample game doesn't compile on the last LTS version of the editor. Yeah. So, so I had to go and fix it and tell them like, by the way, if you do this yourself,
3: this doesn't work. I, uh, I, which, I could I, I'm yeah I'm yeah, not gonna spend is- I'm not gonna spend hours talking about this but like no no because I could I could I really could just do this whole podcast <laughs> could just be me complaining <laughs> about weird unity jank that exists but here's a good example of like the the onboarding experience for a user and stuff that they just like has had they've had so much time to address and just haven't right um you can open up a brand new universal render pipeline project which is the show for those that don't know there's three pipelines there's the unity built-in renderer which is the default one that existed in unity from fire like five prior, Um, as of the sort of moving to the constant subscription model, they decided to split up their rendering system and try and bring it up to scratch with what's known as scriptable render pipelines. They have two template options that are available for users and they are templates. And this is a really key thing that I I may come back to if I get some time, but like I've I've got a whole video on this, that Unity led you to believe that these two things are sort of forked and they kind of are, but they're based off of this scriptable render pipeline. Anyway, I digress. There's there's the high definition render pipeline and the universal render pipeline. Unity now push you to using the universal render pipeline and they are they have claimed for a very long time that that's the way you should be doing that's how you should be making games, that's the thing they're supporting. If you go into there and I was doing this cuz I was building a demo recently for a video that I'm working on, I um opened I tr- I went into the just the normal game object create menu, chose speed tree and created a tree. The tree spawned in and it was pink. And the reason it was pink, <laughs> if you if you know anything about Unity, it's because the Material uh, shader doesn't work. The reason the Material shader doesn't work is because it's a built-in shader. <laughs> so one of their default options for just, like, a new user is still using... doesn't have some bifurcation of understanding that there are three pipelines. It just, like, doesn't work, right? So if you're a brand-new user and you want to create a tree, you've, like, done some nice terrain and you, like, add a tree in, it just, like, doesn't work. And... That has obviously been the case for however long they've had scriptable render pipelines in, and it's just like a really classic example to me of stuff that people have to put up with. And like, if you've used Unity for a while, you're f- like, whatever, like it doesn't take long. You just make a new. I mean, actually, in that case, I don't know if there are. Maybe you have to go into the package manager and find a, a SRP version. But like, that should happen for you. And and people who use Unity re- regularly every day should catch that stuff right like if unity were using the engine and doing things like this it would be caught. it would be updated and that's the one thing about like unreal and going back to what i was saying about the comparison is for the for the known quantity that you have for paying for unity you just deal with that stuff and like it's fine right but once the once the once the the bars are matched you start doing those comparisons you're like i don't have to deal with this crap in other engines i put up with it because whatever it's cheap right it's the cheap thing and i get what i pay for but once you once they raise that bar you start expect like you just can't compete on that level so that's the interesting place that unity is stuck in right now where they've 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 backed themselves into a corner and they're trying to financially get themselves out of it but it is it is I don't like saying it's a subpar product because there's a lot of things Unity does better than other engines, right? It's a comparison you have, but there's just like, as a developer running a business, you start to make, you have to make those decisions and yeah. you you start doing a cost benefit analysis. And sometimes the weight of that starts to shift as you try and make it more expensive, right? Like there's a reason I switched to using Resolve rather than Premiere Pro, right? Like we were having this conversation at gdc weren't we right. about, like Ooh, yeah.
0: moving from one video editing tool to the other i'm still
3: in yeah. adobe i'm sorry um <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like it's fine i get it
1: that's like the, the 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 industry has responded to this with tools that will allow you now easily to switch your projects from unity to unreal or even Godot. and obviously now people are looking at other options yeah. because of this whole debacle yeah i think
2: it's i think it's a real failure with their corporate leadership because. When you look at it, you know, the things that we've been discussing so far have been, and because and, it's really interesting for me to hear this as, as the perspective of someone who, frankly, I, I mean, I could just about get some CSS going on a website. So, you know, that's about the extent of my experience here. But to listen Depending to this. Depending on who you're talking hear, to, that makes you a god, it, by the way. That might make, that might make me a god. <laughs> and if you, if you think that, please contact me because I'm always looking for that kind of worship. Um, but Um But seriously, the way that, This has been discussed where you're talking about them going after mad market enticing things like generative AI, which developers aren't really asking for. It's not really working for them, but they're not fixing the fundamental product because if they fix the fundamental product, it becomes much easier to have a conversation with people to go. Yeah, by the way, we do actually need to make a bit more money off this. Yeah. What do you lot think about paying that more That doesn't for attract
3: it? investors, though. That's no, ex-
2: exactly. Yeah. And like, this is it, poor corporate leadership as well, yeah. because it's that sense of going, I think if I went out, you know, because cause Tommy, you said that, that conduit to the world. If I go out to anyone else outside of the industry and go, right, so yeah, 30% of the games engine market is tied up in one video games business, and they must go, Cool. video games are massive, they must be printing money. They must be so profitable, that business. Surely they would be in that kind of position because to be in such a strong position within a huge market is really interesting. And yes, I understand, you know, in terms of it attracts more independent developers and other things, but it's just fundamentally to have such a strong position and be where they are. It really asks uh, you really ask questions.
1: Talk about, you know, the, the leadership and it comes from that. Um, was it the co founder guy, uh David Hegelson, I think Coulson, his name is?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. He, he he literally came out and went, Sorry, we we literally effed up and mm-hmm. having him say that before even going through again, going through comms and saying, Is this the best thing for me to say at this moment in time? It shows this disparity of, of, of communication. Yeah
2: yeah absolutely i mean you need a you need a common line most of the time and i tell you when you've dug yourself into that kind of hole the thing you do actually need to say is sorry but when you've got essentially your your sort of people who are your sort of founding stars of your business the people who set the vision of the company disagreeing with the corporate leadership currently at the top again not a good look like i thought it was it was i thought this was all very
0: interesting because on naturally it was it was a nightmare but it brought all the game developers back to Twitter for a very yeah, brief period back. and every <laughs> I came back everyone was very angry everyone was very vocal it's we haven't had a good villain in the industry for a little while where everyone cuz you know even a you always find some corner of the industry who's like oh well maybe if you can see it from their perspective Look, no everybody came together and said actually this is a very very bad idea and yeah. you shouldn't be doing this and the I think the other thing was that one everyone likes a villain but two i think speaking to what we've already been discussing and even you know like as as we alluded like matt and i could have an hour just talking about here's all the things that has annoyed me about unity for the last god knows how many years since i started writing games in it it felt like this was the straw that was breaking the camel's back as That's you say I, like, there's a yeah, lot of 100 percent. there's a lot of these things that we tolerate like oh the um, don't get me started on the, light, the the scriptable render pipelines and the lighting. I generally hate <laughs> everything that they've done since version 5. Um, like, ah, anyway. But, you know, you've always got all these things where, ah, oh, this doesn't quite work the way that it, it needs to. Oh, this feature hasn't, this tool that they bought from a third party hasn't been fully integrated into the engine. Oh, yeah. yep. These features that already work don't really feel like they're getting the proper... Um, level of maintenance and work on them to improve them overall as a piece of the product you know it's always been an ongoing conversation about the fact that unity itself doesn't make games and in turn that actually has an impact on how it builds its product because it doesn't understand the day-to-day challenges yeah exactly and i feel like this was the thing that we we now got a point where the entire games industry stopped and went do we need to put up with this
3: anymore
1: yeah yeah and when you talk about J- john um being the villain of the of the week i guess uh but isn't he the guy from ea that did a yeah, bunch of things he, there he
0: was he was project ten dollar guy <laughs> yeah. remember that god yeah. that was actually for our young listeners <laughs> that was what <laughs> the ps3 xbox 360 era whenever you somebody sold an EA game secondhand. You had to pay ten dollars to get access to the multiplayer.
1: Oh so man, John, I remember. That. Oh yeah, John. that was him. <laughs> Same guy. John being the villain. He's got a track record for this. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: this also. You could play the multiplayer in Dead Space Two. You know, which everyone was tripping over to check out. Jeez. Dead Space Two is a great game, but yeah. don't, why? Why play the multiplayer? But yeah, and it, it, every de- every developer I was speaking to was was then having that moment of reflection and i know matt you had this um i think you've probably had this more than any of us because i know acquiring a lot of your development isn't in unity and i'm not right. working on anything i'm trying to ship at the moment i just do a right. lot of teaching and just making a lot of crappy little demos from my own amusement we'll get around to maybe making another game at some point but you know you've been doing your own indie dev you're working in a studio and you've got a youtube channel which is actually about yeah. Unity tutorials, like yeah. how how has it been for you? I feel like you've just been assaulted on this. Not only and you're an Unity
3: insider, so I feel like you've been like assaulted yeah, from like felt. four different angles. With yeah, this. that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, like I felt, um, you know, we were we were told. So usually, uh, Unity will as an insider, Unity will tell us stuff um, with a good, actually, amount of time, and they they give us time to have feedback, like six, sometimes six yeah. months. You know, um, our feedback is is often like, which is again, NDA stuff. Like we we see things um, and we give some feedback and usually it's addressed. And then we get to see the revised version. Um, This uh, financial announcement change was dropped on us. And actually a lot of the unity employees who ran the insider thing, like a a day or two before it went live. And like we saw it and unanimously to the same way that it united the um, game dev community, everybody in that Discord, uh, in the in the Slack channel, were just like, "This is not going to go down well," <laughs> because anybody <laughs> who who lives that experience could see the change. So, um, you know, and I, I was I was on I was working at the time when I saw the Slack ping and I read it and I immediately turned to Nels and I was like, "Unity, you're about to announce something tomorrow and it is going to go really badly." <laughs> Um, and he was like, oh, it's sure. OK. And just like, you know, rubbed it off. And I was like, nah, this is this is a thing. You know, I couldn't say anything, obviously. And then they announced it and he was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, we didn't get any work done for like two weeks because I was back and forth with Unity. And thankfully, you know, I, I have the freedom to be able to do that. And I appreciate that. That I mean, It's everyone was just in a state of what the heck is happening? What does this mean for us? So you know, I was in a unique position where I could get some answers, you know, and like keep up to date. Um, But I I can't even imagine what bigger studios that you know. It it was just like it disrupted the industry for nearly a month, almost almost, right. Even in a way that lost so much money, right? Just just for two weeks worth of work, right?
0: You just said there. You just you didn't get anything done for two weeks. Two weeks is a huge amount of time in development.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: That that's insane. Just the idea yeah. that, like, you know, you're now having questions. Well, about everybody, like, do we everybody's in crisis mode, mode, right? Thing? Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah,
3: it's a crisis mode, right? Is just like, oh, should we? Do we have to just start learning Unreal and switch to Unreal now? Do we just move? Do we pivot this whole project because of this? Yeah. You know, and like, there's. Yeah, there's a level of over-exaggeration, but I think there's also just a, anybody who is trying to make a business out of this, you just can't have a business partner make a swift change overnight like that, right? And mm. um, that was it. It was a sense of, I think it was just like a genuine sense of betrayal with yeah. what up yeah. until that point had been a somewhat known quantity. And I can see, you know, a lot of people are like, well, it's a business being a business. It's just like, yeah, but you know, There is a level of trust that you have to have in your business partners, in your third-party producers or whatever, right? And, like, not everybody can produce absolutely everything themselves. Um, And given the timelines and things, it's like... Like I said earlier, though, now it's a mixed bag right it's like well people choose to use an engine because it's easier and cheaper and it allows you to get your game out the door faster right but now there's an aspect of like well do i now have faith in these companies to not just pull the rug out from underneath me if if
0: they've moved the gold posts once what's the odds are going to do it again Hey all, Tommy here with a quick plug for an additional way you can support and engage with Branching Factor and everything happening at AI and Games. Our new website is hosted over on Substack, the popular newsletter website. You can catch up with every episode of AI and Games, including written versions of every video. Plus, each episode of Branching Factor is also available for you to listen there as well. By signing up with a free subscription, you guarantee that every update on everything I'm working on is sent directly to you and you don't have to manage different apps or social media platforms to keep in the loop. Plus, you can also support AI and Games as a paid subscriber on Substack from as little as $5 a month, and with that you get access to additional bonus content, including ad-free episodes of Branching Factor, our monthly newsletter and recordings from community meetings as we discuss future content coming down the pipeline. To subscribe, head on over to aiinggames.com to find out even more or search for AI and Games on your Substack reader.
3: Right, and it's like, and thankfully, we're in a unique position as an industry where this tooling isn't um, dominated. Right, it's like, yes, technically, Epic uh, own, you know, and and Unity have the biggest market share, but like, Red Engine existed, CryEngine existed, right? Like, it's not the Adobe situation where there's like one dominant only option, and it's like this far superior option. There are a lot of very, very talented people in this industry who now have a bit more of who have always wanted to work on their own engine or whatnot. Right. And like now have more of a, a buy-in from their studio heads. Right. They're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Now it makes, uh, yeah, we should do this. Cause we now have, pr-. and I think that's one of the biggest changes I think we're going to now see is yes. I think we'll see a lot of studios moving to Godot. And I think that's generally good because the, for me, it's not a, and i said this in my YouTube video is like, if I'm learning anything I'm learning Unreal because that makes me more hireable as yeah. a programmer, as a designer. <laughs> um, I, I do not think it's worth investing my own time into learning Godot right now because it is still a very grassroots... You search for Godot jobs, you're not getting them, right? You search yeah. for Epic jobs, you, you're far more hireable. And that's that's how my, yeah. as a, and as a not, jack o Page freelancer type... Yeah, right, like... Yeah.
0: But that's it. It's not even just the fact that Unreal Engine is a, a large... It's a popular engine that has proliferated through the industry. It's also you're typically learning a lot of the same pipelines and yes. processes that are then also adopted and replicated in in-house yeah, AAA engines, engines. Yeah, so it's precisely. like oh hey you know oh right you can write an unreal engine cool you could probably go and work in yep. whatever engine that's owned by some sony first party studio or what have you yeah. so yeah that yeah. transferable skill is massive
3: precisely i mean it's a, it's a c++ thing right like i hate yeah. c++ but <laughs> um knowing it makes you more it's just you know, it's an investment in yourself. If you if your end goal is to work in the games industry and and have the most the broadest skill set to make you more appealing, then I would argue that that Epic is you know those tools at least are the ones that you want to spend the time in. Is uh, Unreal and Unity, and I think I think that's why they've had such a dominance, right? But now that like I said, there's there's more um, there's more options potentially for people to be using.
1: I think what it, you said about um, trust is the biggest thing that Unity have lost. That like even you know, obviously they rolled back a bunch of stuff and they and they put caps and things and stuff like that, but they've lost trust. So uh, regardless of what changes they make, people are like very wary of of even touching Unity or carrying on I, using Unity. It's is yeah, trust. I,
3: agreed. And I think I think what we're going to see, um, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a bunch of games ship. The games that have been worked like, and this is is the other thing I tried to point um, out, was, like, games take, like, four years to make, so you sign up to a thing expecting it to stay a certain way for that amount of time, which, like, to Epic's credit, that's exactly what they have, is you're on whatever version of Epic you agree to use, of Unreal you agree to use, you're on those terms until you ship your game or upgrade, right? And um, thankfully, Unity have, through a lot of pressure from a lot of people, I think, they've decided to make that same decision, but the original announcement didn't say that, so... One of the one of the big things is that they just... It, that's why it felt like such a betrayal is because it takes a long time to make a video game. And um, we have a lot of games that I think are being developed, have been developed since pre-pandemic that are only just now releasing. And I think it's kind of the same thing that we'll see probably a wave of releases next year, um, probably now avoiding the 2023 version of Unity. They'll be sticking to whatever version... Uh, it doesn't get hit by this fee and then they will probably move ship. Um, some yeah. won't because whatever, right? Like there is still that threshold of, <clears throat> I need to make a million dollars. And there are some studios that like, we will never hit that threshold. So it will never affect us and fine. Right. Like by all means. Um, but I do think people who have these goals to be making good revenue and like, because even, even if unity is a choice for you as a business, um, and this was what we spoke about earlier with the sort of ease of understanding. You understand what five percent of your revenue is when you're working with Epic, right? Is it's like okay, just whatever my my current like yeah. income is this year, I just give Epic five percent of that, right? But like with Unity, there's still that weird complexity of like it's either this or that, and it's there's still like extra admin on top that just is so unnecessary um and like i said it's just a very interesting position that the unity have put themselves in as far as i'm concerned and um you know i'm still i'm still obviously going to be using it and i think i do i really like it that's it's one of those things where it's like i talk about it this way because i love a i love c-sharp having to dabbling around in 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 unreal and dealing with c++ and how just horrible intellisense and all this stuff is especially working in unreal like c-sharp does a lot of things really nicely really quickly Yes. I think it's a great language. I just, I really like it. It's just like the reflection stuff that you have available to you. And just, there's so much I could talk passionately about it. And so, <laughs> having an engine that like has all that stuff built into it is really great. And there's a lot of things that Unity does really well. I do think the way, like I said earlier, the script render pipelines are actually really interesting. And In a video I did earlier this year broke down actually like the SRP core stuff and how you can implement your own rendering tools into there. And I just wish Unity had put more work into displaying that stuff because I think everybody is quite confused about the the difference between the two. but my understanding is that you can just you can just create your own rendering tool set if you know how, because Unity haven't supported that level of like advanced usership. Whereas in Unreal, you have to have the source code you have to basically rewrite the entire renderer um, and rebuild the entire engine anytime you want to make changes like that and that's like a a very long amount of time, so there are, you know, there are reasons for loving unity and things about it. It's just like you, I care, therefore I'm, I'm critical, you know, like
0: yeah. I mean, I think as, as well, like it's, it's interesting because you're dealing with a lot of people. A lot of the people that are having this very justifiable negative reaction to this are also people who've had, who've been in the game for a while. You know, they've yes. all been making games they've all went from the point of i'm new to game development picking up unity maybe learning to program c sharp that i agree c sharp is great i used to program in java and objective c by comparison to those two things c sharp is uh oh, so good but like yeah like these people have been making these games like i got into the first games that i ever finished and actually shipped were all written in c sharp in, in unity i made my games i shipped my games and then i've worked on other people's games like so you've been in the space for long enough that then not only are you like i'm fed up of dealing with this crap but also i'm confident enough that i can pivot if the business realities allow for that and align for me to do so um the thing that i thought was very interesting was seeing the conversation around new people who are coming yes. into games and going because usually when they go Oh, i want to learn games and it's like probably start with Unity, maybe have a look at things like, you know, Game Maker or, you know, other kind of hob- smaller engines and then if you can handle Unity and you're alright with it, if you want to go for something bigger and more ambitious, then try Unreal. But the fact that the conversation around whether Unity is your starting engine was happening happening as a result of this, I thought, yeah. has that's probably one of that's going to have a bigger impact on them in the long run. Yeah. Um, speaking from, you know, having used to teach game development, trying to get Trying to get us in a position where we didn't teach unity was such a big deal, Like trying to communicate right. to people senior in the department, like, "Oh, but we don't want to teach C++ because it's difficult and the students don't like it. I'm like, I couldn't give a monkey's fuck if the students don't like it. We want to make, give them useful skills. And so we would teach them C++, we would teach them how to use Unreal. Now the conversation is I've, I saw I spoke with other university lecturers going, "Do we even stick with unity?" Because students... We're asking them. They had students attending open days oh. to come and go to their university. Going, are you guys still going to teach Unity? Because I saw all this thing in the news. Like, that's your legacy. That's the damage to your brand. There, one hundred percent. Like, that's insane.
1: Yeah. Matt, can I ask? Um, as a C sharp coder, uh, would something like the CryEngine be a, be a a, a a possible switch for you?
3: Is it a sharp? Is it? Yeah, C-sharp, yeah. I mean, I would always entertain. I, I'm I'm an advocate for learning as many things as possible. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably entertain moving into something like that. I don't know the complexities of the engine, so I couldn't speak on that yeah. specifically without having a, uh, some time invested
1: into figuring out, like, the strengths and weaknesses, you know? I, I, guess, um, I guess the question is, um, are your loyalties with uni itself as an engine or is it c-sharp as a language so obviously there are other, other languages that you other um engines that use c-sharp uh god i know Godot uses c-sharp and as a cry well,
3: Godot well. yeah, doesn't support c-sharp natively um sure. but they've added they've recently added support for it uh Godot, um like i said before i think it again it goes it, for me it's about like what can i get a job in and i would say yes i probably know Cryengine. i'm there are still studios using that right like so um I, I think the cool thing about our industry um, is that, like, once you kind of learn a language, you can learn any language. And there's there's caveats with either of them. So you just find the things you, you enjoy. Um, like me working, if, if my studio decide we're going to make our next game in Unreal, we make our next game in Unreal. It just, you there's just, like, you just deal with it, right? Um, but, uh, or if they say, yeah, we're going to do CryEngine, then sure, I would spend time learning it. So... Um yeah, specifically the the tooling, like, like it's more to what Tommy said is that I've been using Unity for so long. I understand it. So it's like a well-oiled yeah. machine, right? I can very quickly build tools. I have a library of tools and scripts and um uh pipelines for things that I just inherently understand. And that's honestly what my whole channel has been about, is is tooling and pipelines and weird intermediary game dev stuff, right? That just doesn't really get covered. Um I say it's for me six months ago or me in two years' time when I'm trying to remember how to do something, right? Like <laughs> um I, I, right. I think I think that's a an accurate description yeah. of the sort of stuff that I make. Yep. Um and uh that really is the stuff that you get lost when you switch, right? And in me playing around with Unreal, I there's a few things that Unreal does that just hand is handled for me, which is great, because it's based off of an engine that has been designed used to make video games. So like it already has multiplayer support just from the get-go right and it's stuff like that that i care more about of what is the mm. what is the cost benefit of switching engine and yeah. where where do i have to invest my time in like i am a tooling person so i can very 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 quickly spin up um tools in unity it's one of the things i think is unity's biggest strength is to just like you can ad hoc that so quickly with uh i've tried a little bit of that already in unreal and it's much slower like you can do it um, it's limited with Unreal as well in certain ways that Unity isn't, and so I'm still learning that phase of like, okay, how do I how do I build tools for Unreal? Um, and because as you know, my job most of the time is I'm half design, I'm half architect, but I'm also like interfacing. I'm very much a generalist programmer, right? So I'm interfacing with other members of the team and building tools for them. So that is a lot of what I have uh, the my eyes on most of the time when I'm yeah. thinking about. I'm just trying to think, obviously, holistically about a lot of the demands that come up. Because that's it, like,
0: you know, when people talk about pivoting engines or what have you and going, oh, well, it can't be that hard to move from A to B. And it's like, well, learning how the fundamentals work again as you transition from engine A to engine B, you're like, okay, that's fine. It takes you a little while to recognize, oh, it's like moving from one language you know spoken language to another oh it's largely similar but here's this few concessions that are unique it's when you start getting into the architectural elements of it like you say building tools but also building entire systems that govern a game where you learn how to do it in one engine and then and it is that's experience that sits with you i mean i was even working on a game earlier this year over at a studio where it's like oh right well here we'll do it this way because i know this works and here's the pros and cons of it and whatever else Moving to another engine then becomes, you know, a bigger headache. And then, I mean, I think, funnily enough, we've talked about education, but I actually did want to bring up, like, you know, the work you do on YouTube as well over on Game Dev Guide, because your channel is all about digging into these often less immediately um, appealing topics for you know to stick on a, on a youtube video because people are like, ah hey here's how you can do this in like 20 minutes or less you know like no yeah. we're digging into like nuances that allow you to achieve certain things like and th- Often it enables for something that's kind of cool, like you did the Hi-Fi Rush video. So how do you render a game like Hi-Fi Rush? How do you do the the internals of an
3: apartment like Spider Man, for example? Um, yeah. I need to make a sequel video to that now because uh, Spider Man 2's come out and they've changed the way that they're rendering internals. So like, oh, I haven't played it yet. I haven't played it. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> they're using ray tracing. They're using ray Ooh. tracing now to they sh- they shoot a ray. Just small tangent. They shoot a ray into the window, and then as soon as it hits the window, they um they basically uh like uh transform the rest of the ray trace somewhere off screen and ray trace into a building elsewhere (laughs) and then that becomes the it's 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 really clever and so it's just like well i guess i guess i have to make a sequel to this now (laughs) very nice
0: but yeah like i mean how's i mean not just for yourself but also i know like you know you're Connected to a lot of other Unity content creators or content mm-hmm. creators who are predominantly based in Unity, like what's the sentiment been around that that community and and like where are they going with it?
3: I don't, you know, I don't know. I think um, a lot of it was wait and see. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people. Some are sticking with it. I mean, there are a lot of content creators that do that full time, right? I don't, I don't do that full time. I my priorities lie within the game development community and the game's industry, um, that is where I make my money and spend most of my time. So I think there's a little bit of a a difference of um uh like choice there where I'm going I'm going where the industry says I should go because the type of content that I need to make is gonna be tied to the things that I'm doing day to day, right? Like all of my content comes from I've solved this problem on my own project. Um, Or it's something interesting that I've seen other games do, and I want to figure out how to do it, because it's going to better my knowledge as a programmer and designer working in the industry. Um, And I like sharing that knowledge, and Unity is very community-driven, and I think that's why I felt... uh, So I also worked at Unity, and the stuff that I do on my channel is taken a lot from the sort of content I would make when I was working there. And I think that has been... Um, like harbored by Unity for such a long time. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that they've made is that they have screwed over their community somewhat. And um, it's one of the strengths that Unity has as an engine. Like Unreal does not have the same level of um, support that Unity does from its community no. because Unreal is built primarily from AAA teams that'll talk within one another internally and don't externalize a lot of this understanding, right? Whereas Unity has been a very grassroots engine. So there's years and years and years of knowledge content available to you. And I think Godot in the same way that blender exists is going to start to build a lot more of that now with a lot of what's changed. And I think to answer your question specifically, a lot of the developers that I know that are a bit more attuned have been like, Hey, I should probably, um, split off my content. I shouldn't be putting all my eggs in one basket anymore. And I, I feel that way a little bit, I'm probably going to start doing a couple of unreal engine things here and there. Like I'm playing around with it in my spare time. um, because of, I feel that way, but also generally, like I said, I've said multiple times now, um, it, it's within my interest to, to yeah be, be learning that stuff. So I think that's really the route that a lot of people have gone is like, oh, we, we probably can't do this just in case Unity does fall off a cliff. I don't think they will, but I do think that they've diminished a lot of the momentum that they had um, within the community. Yeah, I think, I think GDC this year
0: is going, next year is going to be really interesting um i'm going i'm
3: going to unite i'm going to unite next in like two weeks time yeah Yeah. they've asked me out there so i'm I'm really curious um i'm really really curious what the general feeling on the floor is going to be like um and, you know, thankfully, Unity have asked me to go and I'm really appreciative of that. So I can't, you know, <laughs> I can't be a chaos engine, but I will be I will be asking people like, hey, what do you think about A little bit. I'm little always bit like chaos. that. They, they know that. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I will be just asking people um, what the general consensus is right around their opinions of Unity. I'm just curious to see what people think in the same way that, you know, we've been talking about here. I think I think a lot of people will be on the same page.
1: I want to ask George, um, from his point of view, obviously this is kind of wrapped up with John leaving. Um, How have you felt the messaging for that has been, and how do you think Uni has addressed all the the issues? Have have they squashed their bad vibes, I guess? So I I think the problem
2: is pretty fundamental, which is trust is long one and very easily thrown away and i think the issue here is is less have they managed to 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 dispel it but are they on on a track where they can go and regain that trust and i think Mm. fundamentally they're going to find it very very difficult to do so
0: a quick break to all the banter to take a moment to thank our patrons who support us here on the branching factor podcast Without that support, we wouldn't have kicked off this fun new venture for all of us to take part in. Don't forget that by supporting us on Patreon, you get to listen to each episode early and without all these pesky ads that break up the flow. Plus you get bonus content and the chance to submit questions to us directly via the AI and Games Discord server. It's all part of the package. To find out how to join, head on over to patreon.com forward slash AI and Games. That's Patreon, patreo ncom com slash AI and Games. Thanks once again for listening to us on Branching Factor. And with that...
2: And I think the, the biggest reason why they're essentially allowed for... I mean, you know, at any point when a company essentially loses its leader to something like this, it has to be weighed up to say the loss of this leader is considered to be big enough that this is showing a sign of us trying to reclaim the trust of that community. So I think they're going to move in that direction in terms of trying to regain that trust. I think... The challenges that they're going to have ahead, I think, are as follows. I think, first of all, I don't imagine there's just going to be an enormous sea change. I think, you know, Unity, frankly, is so big uh, that actually they they will have the similar impact of any big player within a market, which is that people are not going to immediately move, but people are going to be doing exactly what Matt's been saying, which is saying this project will keep here, the next one will go. And what you will see is a kind of a, a bleeding out of its core audience. And as we've established its real problem is is that it's not establishing new audiences in the way that it should be doing while also losing its core audience at a point where it's already not a profitable business so i think personally i i I think the thing that's probably going to be the most interesting dynamic about this is will someone buy it because if I was looking around in terms of what's going on in the market at the moment, you know, obviously, I mean, we've, we've seen what's going on in the wider industry at the moment, not a great time. But again, as, as a possible asset to the right size business to have a game engine with that kind of size community where you might be willing to suck up. You know frankly like having something that's not making you a huge amount of money because you see it both as a valuable way of establishing a strategic position with within games but also th- seeing it and i think it was interesting talking about the pipeline about being like well this is the pipeline for future talent and so therefore if we're locking them into our ecosystem what we can do is use unity as a way to get them in and even if they switch over to unreal i mean i'm so i'm, I'm imagining a big tech player here right like an amazon going okay and also, yes, those people will all use Unity, and they may or may not stay in Unity, but in the future, they'll also be involved in conversation about what's our cloud solution, right? Are we going to use AWS as well? You know, And it's that kind of thing about going, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a pretty live thought in the back of mm-hmm. quite a lot of people's minds of going, because this is what happened with Activision Blizzard, right? You go back to Bobby Kotick and sexual harassment. One of the biggest things there is that it led to a decline in the company's share price to a point that Microsoft, who were looking to make a big, bold acquisition, when actually we can get a very big, high value business that's going to be enormously important for our strategic future at what is or what at the time felt like a knockdown price. So I think, I mean, if I was in their position... The biggest thing that I would be doing in terms of the messaging would be actually going back and trying to double down to retain the community because it's just really basic business principles. You get customers, you retain them, you monetize them. Because if you keep that cycle going and customers are happy, they keep spending money. And if you break it, you break the engine of most good businesses. So I would be spending the time investing in community communications i think it'd be really interesting to see what they do ahead of Unite. you know i wouldn't be surprised to see a sort of a south park style we're sorry video doing the rounds fairly <laughs> soon but that that would be where i would be saying like look you you've got to go and try and do that as effectively as possible And, you know, the communications around it was about, as in terms of John Riccitello leaving, it's about as much as a company can do. You know, at any point like that, you can't be like, triumphantly getting rid of our leader, see you later, because he's been leading your company for quite a long period of time. It's very much, this is done. You kind of, everyone here can read between the lines. We move on. Let's go and try and rebuild that trust. Because, yeah, I mean, I would say that that they're in a tricky position. And they've... They were already in a tricky position and they've made the position trickier.
3: Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I would I have had a lot of people think about that acquisition um, line. And uh, I I agree that that probably is where it's going to end up. Uh, That makes me sad because I, I don't have faith that another company acquiring Unity will have the same values that Unity before IPO had. And I think that's where a lot of people are, that are in the community, like you said, uh, Tommy, right, have seen Unity change. And I think a lot of people want the version of Unity back that they were used to, that I think was a good status quo. Um, and so I think one of the problems that I think a lot of people have with Unity is that they are now publicly traded and they're operating like a publicly traded company. And that yeah. doesn't necessarily make the same moves that are in the interest of its yeah, users of its, like, core demographic that built the company in the first place, which fundamentally is game developers, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think... Th- that if that sort of thing does happen, that the majority of the game development community will leave because of everything I've said before, where like they could just make their own engine at that point, right? That will be more in the interest of the type of content that they're making. I don't, I can't see a version of this where like Microsoft, I mean, Amazon have Lumberyard, which is basically Crytek. So, um, and Unity have all of their cloud cloud stuff as well. So that's kind of the other thing is Unity have tried the tech company thing and that's got them into this hole in the first place, right? They are a tech company making tech company moves. And I think the core audience are, are like, what are you doing? right so um for a lot of us i think it's more just a case of like just make a good game engine that like doubles down on the things we love about unity um and i have this conversation i'm like this is the feedback i give internally when i talk to them i'm like you should be working on this stuff like everything i've brought up in this podcast is exactly the sort of same conversations i've had and um i think there are a lot of people inside unity that feel the same way as somebody who's worked there like yeah, i know yeah. how it it's a yeah. big corporation right there's a good chunk of people that have joined the company to try it's it's like a big thing that moves very slowly right unless you make weird crazy decisions that cause this rock to fall down yeah. the hill but um making change steering the ship is slow and uh i think i just am hopeful that if a company does acquire it there's somebody who has the interest of the consumer and making a re- I hope it's a company that has made a really successful Unity game. If and and you know, and they're like, no, we're gonna actually like focus on the features. That would be cool. But like, yeah. if a company yeah. like Microsoft or Apple or like if Apple buy Unity, I'm out. Like that's just because like <laughs> yeah um, yeah, uh, it's not the product.
2: Like they would not turn it into a product that I want to use because I don't enjoy using Apple products. So no, absolutely. And I, I, but I, th- I think that point about not knowing. Not knowing what they're good at almost in a sense and, and thinking right we're going to try and play like a big tech company it's just like orders of magnitude people you know it's like i, I think it would be microsoft i will have to check this stat but essentially i was looking at microsoft's revenues globally because uh, i was trying to sort of get a sense on the activision blizzard stuff and it's essentially just the global games industry revenues you map it and it's basically the same as that microsoft makes by itself in a year so if you're talking about unity going off and yeah unity we're going to do a cloud play we're going to go up against the richest companies in the world well i mean good luck lads i mean it's not going to go very well for you unsurprisingly but i think the only other thing to think about though just sort of me going back to my lovely boring policy round being a lot of the big tech businesses the one thing they might find hard is actually buying it outright because i think going to the competition side of things again competition regulators are looking at big tech and going we're going to try and constrain you in as many different ways as possible make things hard for you one because we're concerned about what your impact is on the market but two because it's good for us because it's good for headlines it's good for us to go and chase these kinds of things so you also enter the world where unity doesn't get bought but 40 percent of it does get bought by 10 cent or 40 percent of it does get bought by savvy yeah. games and I think that's and and that would be the other thing as well, is that I think it would be interesting to see whether, I mean, Tencent's not sovereign wealth savvy is, but it's about these things where they're more integrated within the sort of the, the position within that they, they, they hold within a state and going like, actually, I mean, I've got to say, unfortunately, I think the Saudis would be very interested because they're going right. Our ambition is to build a video games cluster in our country, 25,000 jobs by 2030, turning NEOM into a futuristic game development city. If you're looking at their things and going, we've basically got unlimited money, uh, but we maybe don't want to try and buy our company outright. Because anytime we go after a big American business, there is that sense of, are we biting one of the hands that fed us in the sense of American military power looking after the Saudis? I mean, yeah, you just suddenly start looking at those kinds of things and going, I mean, I appreciate Unity is actually technically Danish, but hey, here we go. Um, but this is the thing. It's like you start looking at these kinds of things and go, well, we don't want to cause the ructions of buying this thing outright, but we'll buy 40% of it because we can underwrite the losses. <clears throat> you know, that's, that's an interesting thing. So, yeah, so that, that's me just going, Unity, geopolitics, wow, pazam. <laughs>
0: And then you remember what Ten Cent has also got significant
2: investment in Unreal Engine as well, don't well, they? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair, like again, Ten Cent. What does Ten Cent not have money invested in? That's always a good game to play.
0: True, true. That can be our that can be the the Christmas quiz this year. Is, <laughs>
3: is it Ten Cent? <laughs> <laughs> the Ten Cent of Christmas. Like, there we wait, go. Is um, it, it Ten Cent, or what's the other company that like has now Netties? been laying everybody off? Neties oh, and oh, then yeah, right. what's the other company uh that's unfortunately just been laying like made a bunch of acquisitions and embracer. Like, oh, embracer, right? Is it God. is it yeah. yeah, is it Embracer or is it um Right Okay?
0: If we do a Christmas quiz, I'm gonna do a round of was this an Embracer Studio or not? Um, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I
2: think it's almost like animal vegetable mineral, which is like embracer <laughs> ten cent independent. You know, that's yeah. that's the game.
0: Uh, yeah, you can play to any questions and every answer is an Embracer-owned studio. Um, <laughs> there you go. Is it THQ Nordic? Um. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, I think on that, I think this is a, actually a really good point just to start wrapping up the episode, because I also appreciate Matt still got like a full day of work, or <laughs> afternoon of work to do. you got to get back in the Unity engine and go make some games, my man. Well, I have um, to make
3: a Game Dev Guide video before I f- go away, yeah. Like Fridays am I not working for Sonderless Day and I usually just make game dev guide stuff or work on oh, my side we've, project.
0: We've caught you on your side project, day. Well. I do apologize. Yeah. Speaking of, where can the people find you? where's where should we go to find you? What social networks are you on? what is your uh, handles? I'm
3: not I'm not really on the I like you can you can find me. If you just go to game dev uk, it actually takes you to my YouTube channel. So uh that's that's where you should follow me um i do tweet sometimes but not really because that is a hellhole now so um best just to follow me there join my discord if you want to chat to me um but yeah just if you could subscribe if you're interested in the stuff i do subscribe to game dev guide like and um, subscribe man like and subscribe exactly we'll yeah. get you,
0: on, are, you on, are you not on blue sky yet that's for all the i am
3: on blue sky yes you yeah are on blue um, sky. My, my personal account is on blue sky so um follow feel free to blue follow sky. me maybe i don't know i, <laughs> I don't know.
2: i'm, a, I'm <laughs> on blue sky and i don't know who. Like, I'm i don't know how yeah it's hard to tell gonna, on blue sky to be um, honest yeah
0: the amount of times you're on i'm on i was on blue sky like at the weekend or something and i'm just like hang on, all know these people i know are in here like just yeah. started following I, I like them it again because
3: it feels like early twitter but um yeah. it still has a little bit more to go until it's i think i think if anything is going to replace it it will be blue sky um it's a it seems to be a nice place to be right now but there's still some stuff missing where i'm like eh i could just not i could just like Social media has been around now for so long. I'm like, I have stopped using Facebook. Um, I think Instagram's the only one I still use. I never joined TikTok, and I don't I don't regret it. Um, and I think it's okay. Like I spend time on Reddit and and Instagram, and I and like I just like taking pictures of things, so I think that's fine. But I'm trying to reduce rather than gain more, you know. I I cut
0: down over the over pandemic. I think Blue Sky is the only one I actually post anything that isn't YouTube related or like business right. related.
1: But that's the thing about blue sky. Blue sky is like where you hang out with your mates at the moment, because invite only, yeah. you invite your mates. But if you run any kind of business, you reach zero. Yeah, because it exactly. reaches your mates. So it's, it's, at the moment, it has no reach.
0: I mean, on the bright side, it means that all my friends have no excuses for not for not watching episodes yeah, of AI games or episodes <laughs> um, of the Branching Factor podcast, for that matter. Um, yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. But yes, thank you everyone uh, for joining us today. Thanks also to Matt. For yeah, coming and you know, hanging out with us because i haven't spoken to your you know properly chatted to you since i saw you at gdc so... fair, we
3: did hang out a lot at gdc though we did hang I... out, but that was it because i
0: hadn't seen you in great. years either and then it was just like we're gonna hang out hanging out in the irish bar um as well good. which which actually we shouldn't be talking about this publicly because that's like the great secret that's like the one bar <laughs> that only the handful of british game developers go to and nobody else um, it was cool. next year next year right. uh but but yes um and also Quang and George, you're here with us at a Friday night. Thank you all.
2: I yeah, love thank you. you
3: for like hanging out yeah. on a Friday because I couldn't make weird British times.
2: It's it's it, been the best Friday night I've had in a very long time, and that's both a source of joy and sadness.
0: All the times are weird British times, I think, at the moment. That's true. I think that's safe to say. <laughs> that's um, so good. but yeah, but we should we should be trying to figure out how to do the next uh, try to do an episode in person because we were mm. just talking about this offline that. George has got an in, potentially, for us to actually record somewhere in Londinius, which is very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, or a, what was it, a Nod Null, Um, which is a Red Dwarf reference that I have not heard yeah. in about 20 yeah. years until uh, a mutual friend of ours texted it to me earlier this week, and I was like, is he old enough to know what Red Dwarf is? Um, and then, obviously, because otherwise he wouldn't have said it. Did, it but did, anyway. did, he
2: ha- did he have an eyeball on his chin when he uh, sent you, did he send you that first? <laughs> oh. Oh
0: dear. Right, kids, you can have to go and look up Wikipedia to figure out what we're talking about. Thanks once again for listening to us here on the Branching Factor Podcast. We'll catch you all very soon on a new episode. Be sure to support us, subscribers, us, and all the places and the adverts and all the other stuff that I put in the message description. Bye. Thank you. The Branching Factor Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Tommy Thompson, with support from Anne Sullivan, George Osborne, Mike Cook, and Kwang Yoon. Our theme music is provided courtesy of Ben Ridge. The logo and thumbnail art is thanks to Helen O'Dell. Special thanks to Shraddha Gupta and Phoebe Trigg for additional production support. And of course, to all of you out there listening. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Branching Factor. Wherever you are in the world, be sure to stay safe, have fun, and we'll be back.